Podcasting from Hartford, you're listening to the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast, your place for all things Connecticut sports. And here is your host, Jared Cutler. All right, next up for our UConn Huskies is a battle against Shaka Smart and Marquette. Andre joined us last year to give us uh, some details into Marquette, and he's back from Paint Touches. Thank you so much for joining me again. Oh, thanks for having me, Jared. So, I, I know we were talking a little bit before we got started, but a lot of change at Marquette from last year. You know, I think first and foremost is Shaka Smart now as, as the head coach. What were your thoughts when Shaka was, was named the head coach at Marquette? I mean, it, it was pretty shocking, um, to be honest, because I know like right after it happened, like we created a list. There's always these lists going about. And I think it was Jeff Goodman who was re- decently plugged in into the coaching scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and he suggested – Shaka Smart at NATO, just kind of long shot um, possibilities. And obviously, NATO wasn't going anywhere. He was doing right. great. His bio was like a billion dollars. Um, I laughed at that one, but then I laughed at both of them together. Because I'm like, I get Shaka wants, might, might want a little bit of a, of a outlet from Texas, yeah. just the way things were going there. But he's already spurned Marquette once. And for those that might not be aware, um, right after Buzz Williams left, um, there was a, a report in that with some of the local media that Shaka Smart was, was going to become the next coach at Marquette. And that was in 2014. And then it turns out that it was not true. So it's, it's, it's this whole thing. There was kind of that like thorn in the back of the head that's like, is this, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not going to happen. So when it does come to pass, um, obviously you hear the rumbling, then it gets closer and then. Um, I had some confirmation a few days, like a few hours before that it was going to happen. So I was like, wow, like this is, this is really cool because the thing you have to understand about Marquette is that it has been a really fertile ground for launching coaches to go somewhere else uh, mm-hmm. in the recent history. So obviously Tom Crean did great, um, used Dwayne Wade, built three amigos, um, and then kind of bounced for Indiana. And then Buzz Williams was a little bit different in that um, it, it was, wasn't like a clear leap to go to Virginia Tech, but it's the same sort of like did well, succeeded, and then left. Yeah. Um, so I think Ken Pomeroy a couple of years back did a, like a, a ranking of like places where he'd want to become his first, uh, he'd be a coach if it was your first time. And it was like Xavier, it was Marquette because it's a good launching pad. So having someone come in with that much experience is something I hadn't seen. I it was before my time. Um, so it, it, it changes the prerogative a little bit where you're not kind of learning on the spot with him. You kind of know what he's bringing and you know, Shaka Smart, it's Havoc defense, you know, tenacity, you know, turnovers on the offensive end, you know, length, athleticism, switchables. Um, so long story short, I thought it was a 10 out of 10 in terms of um, possibility and I'm really, really excited from what we've seen and kind of what's to come. I know expectations were a little mixed on this Marquette team heading into the year. People weren't necessarily sure what to expect, yet you had some roster turnover. What have been your thoughts so far on the team and how they've lived up to maybe some of those preseason expectations, maybe how they've exceeded them in some ways, and maybe how they haven't lived up to them in some other ways? I think um, whether you're a fan or pundit or an opponent's fan, you'd you have to say Marquette has exceeded expectations to this point because mm-hmm. I personally had them very low. Like I had sub 500 season, like maybe 12, 13 wins. I just didn't see the style that Shaka was bringing in and Nevada Smith, the uh, offensive coordinator, um, really reliant on pick and roll, a lot of guard play and the guards that we, that Marquette has aren't really set for that. Like Darren Morsell, great defensively, um, Big, Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year coming over from Maryland. You, I mean, you guys saw them in the tournament, right? Yeah, not you, someone you're, yeah, yeah, not someone you're really going to focus on. Um, Tyler Kolek, a great, um, big future, but he's more of a shooter than so. 
long story short, I had very, very low expectations. I think the median expectation from the media and the fans was like maybe NIT, like that'd be a, a good season. So to see the early result against Illinois, to, to beat West Virginia, um, again, a common opponent there. And then coming back down to earth of late, I think uh, where Marquette stands right now is better than people expected, but kind of not like superb. I think mm -hmm. above expectations, maybe a B plus if you were going on a grading system, like no one is upset right now with Marquette's trajectory. Um, Big East coaches are happy. It's not a net drag like a Butler or a Georgetown this year, um, but it's not someone really you're going to be worried about too much where you can kind of figure them out. They are who they are. If they have a great shooting night, they could beat you. But other than that, um, you, it's, it's kind of not the best of teams that we'll see if you mentioned some of the, the good wins they had, whether it was, you know, Illinois, West Virginia, but they've also had of late and playing some tougher opponents have had some losses in, in another yeah. common opponent, St. Bonaventure, you know, you had yeah. Wisconsin, UCLA, Xavier, what have they done well in those games that they, they've won and what, have, what hasn't gone right in those losses of late? One of the biggest things is that it's not a good shooting team. It, it just is not, they don't have the, um, the quality, uh, but they have the quantity. So we saw some really high three-point attempt rates. I think it, uh, Marquette was the top 50 last time I checked in Kempom in terms of the amount of threes they take compared to overall field goals. So against UCLA, um, they just could not hit water. Like out of, if they fell out of a boat, um, I think it was 0 for 8 on unguarded threes in the first half and en route to a 23-point deficit. Um, so the, the shooting is very, very touchy. So a lot of great shots. I think last time I checked, I haven't checked this morning, but uh, Marquette was in the top three in terms of uncontested, uncontested um, catch and shoots created in the Big East, but in the bottom two in terms of uncontested points from there. So you could see the system that Shaka and Nevada are building offensively. They run it well. Tyler Kolek um, gets a lot of open shots, even if he can't hit any on his own. Um, but the shooting is just so, so hit or miss so against Xavier the first half one of the best first 10 minute periods I always track by quarters you know Ken Palm does the first quarter second quarter yeah. um, Marquette had only won two first quarters coming into Xavier and um, none by more than two points in both against cupcakes uh, and it, it is always digging out and against Xavier they hit a couple threes early um, ball was was moving around nicely had a good lead but then again shooting comes back down to earth because it's not a great shooting team so outside of that component i think defensively you think of shaka you think of havoc he calls it violence like a violent defense now but they're not creating a ton of turnovers now and, and giving up a ton of offensive rebounds and i know uconn's always been kind of one to, to to really really exploit that last year's matchup against marquette um both of them were really stark in that regard so it's a case of you're having quick short possessions that are coming up empty you're giving up a lot of secondhand opportunities and you're not creating a ton of turnovers to get those easy points. And then add into that, that it's a pretty atrocious transition team. Um, and it's just, it, it's tough. So sub sub 100 on offense, you, you, you need Marquette to beat some of the, the top tier opponents to have a good shooting day. And if it doesn't, it, it's probably not going to happen. What I know you talk a little bit about the havoc there. And I know fans of UConn in particular have seen them struggle against some pressure from Auburn. Yeah. And when they played VCU uh, a little bit to West Virginia, but not necessarily to the same extent, because they're, they're not as pressy as they used to be. But how is this Shaka havoc at Marquette? Is it going to be in that style of an Auburn VCU one that, that might give UConn some issues there? 
the first half of the season, if we would have talked a month ago, I would have told you, maybe a couple of weeks ago, I would have told you, yes, like very heavy ball pressure, over 60% of possessions, backcourt, um, three-quarter zone, uh, just a really, really attack-heavy defense. But as the competition has improved and as the ball handling has improved, we've seen Marquette kind of decrease the amount of pressure they put on the amount of times they press um, against Xavier um, Xavier actually pressed Marquette more than Marquette did so um, when I watched UConn in the battle for the Atlantic um, so I, I thought I was thinking oh this yeah. is actually an opportunity to kind of get a, a big W because the ball handling might not be um, there like it might be later on in the season like early on you know you got, you got right. cold but I don't think we'll, you'll see some press. You definitely will see it, but it hasn't been the kind of press that turns you over for buckets right away. It's more of like slow you down, get you out of your your quick offense, maybe break the break up the transition opportunities a little bit. Um, but it has been exploited against Wisconsin again, a good passing team. There was a couple possessions in the second half where they just one two three layup, one two three layup, and we didn't see the press the rest of the game. So. Um, it's something that you will see. I would, I would guess at least like a quarter to half the game, but it isn't one that's swarming, that's attacking, that's kind of like trying to create turnovers. It's more to like slow down um, the offense. All right, it's going to be interesting to see because UConn certainly has had some practice against some pressure. So it, you know that was one thing that I thought was good uh, about those games against Auburn and VCU is you know hey early in the season get some chance to work out some kinks to get that. Uh, in some live game experience. So especially when you get come and in, in play Shaka, it might pay off. So I'm going to be curious to see how that looks tomorrow. In terms of the roster breakdown, I know you, you've given us some names there. I know Daryl Morsell's the name that just pops off the page to me, seeing what he did against you kind of really holding James Booknight in check in the NCAA tournament last year. How has he looked so far from, from a playing perspective at Marquette? Yeah, he's he's the linchpin, I think, offensively, because the first four games, he scored 20 points each game when he had never scored 20 points in his life. I think the graphics like to show that every single game, so I'm sure you'll see it in the... Um, he's come back down to earth a little bit. He was shooting like 56% from three, which we know it's not him, uh, but he was really doing a good job of attacking, forcing the action again to the free throw line, um, and then hitting some contested shots that aren't falling now. So he's, like I said, his O rating is a little bit over 100, so he's above average, but but not really the offensive force that we saw really early on, which again was expected. Um, defensively, um, not, I don't want to say I'm underwhelmed, but he carries such a big load where it's not just guarding the opponent's best player, kind of locking down. Mm-hmm. He does a ton of switching and covering and kind of quarterbacking where um, he doesn't create as many turnovers as he probably did in Maryland, where it was much more man-to-man in terms of he knew what he was doing and he could kind of jump some of the passing lanes. Um, But I would say he's lived up to the expectations at this point Um, with the offense still above what we kind of expected, but not great. And the defense that's solid to good with the occasional, like very good. So um, you'll definitely see 30 plus minutes of him. You'll know, you'll feel him on, on defense. And um, I think that's someone that like you said, does pop out. Yeah. Again, with, with him being a name that, that popped out to me, give me a couple other names that UConn fans should, should be on the lookout for in the game tomorrow that, that could cause some trouble. Yeah. So Tyler Kolick is going to be the number one. I mentioned him earlier, but um Again, just really surprising for me. So he's a transfer from George Mason. Um, not really a point guard in the sense that uh, he was more of a two uh, at George Mason. So that's what I expected. Okay. Maybe some ball handling duties. But he's turned into a fantastic distributor. Just like unbelievable. Top 25 in assist rate this year. Just 
creating um, open shot after open shot, great on the screen and roll, um, uh, but can't hit a shot. I think he was one for his previous 19 before Xavier. He went two for five. And that I literally tweeted, Colic three Christmas miracle because <laughs> it was like that bad. He against oh, um against UCLA he hit he went 0 for four with four of the shots hitting backboard before it hit the rim. So there was a little bit of a, a mental, mental yeah. lapse there because he has the ability. He's not a, a lights out shooter, but he's a good uh, a good shooter, good and enough. You, UConn um, fans are, are used to seeing that with some of their shooters of late too. So <laughs> it, it'll be interesting. This will be the game that everyone probably yes. hits everything. So <laughs> I mean, we can only hope on on our end. But that's someone who you'll feel against Xavier. He got into foul trouble, and that's when Xavier got back into the game. Um, cut a nine-point lead and took a two-point lead into halftime when he was sitting on the bench with two and three fouls um, and then picked up a fourth one early. So you'll, it's a very, very different team when he's in the game. Um, he does try stuff, with, by, and you'll see he'll, he'll make some pretty, pretty poor turnovers in terms of throwing it into there, where there's no space. Um, so it, 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 it's kind of like a, a, a feast or famine sort of thing, a, mm-hmm. assist, a turnover rate of 26%. But he is the catalyst for Marquette's offense. And if, if he's not creating it just becomes very stagnant the other player you should probably be aware of is justin lewis um you saw him last year um he's he's basically the focal point this year on both ends he leads the team in minutes played gets the most possessions um his issue i wouldn't say is an issue but kind of um he's also kind of a streaky shooter where he was he was hitting high 30s early on in the year a little bit of a struggle up late and he kind of settles a little bit because he's big he's a six seven guy muscular he played the five last year playing more of the four this year so he's he can take people off the dribble and that's when he's at his best really when he's either backing down and passing out of the post or really uh, trying to attack a mismatch one-on-one um he'll get a lot of attempts um but again dribbling hasn't been great from him this year so if he does create it's kind of a a hold your breath sort of thing (laughs) on Marquette's offense but those are the, the main three. That's the core of Marquette's team. And then you'll be seeing um, a kind of a rotation between two fives and Oso, uh, Igadaro and Kirkweth. Um, and they're basically interchangeable. They're not going to do anything but dunk or block shots. And uh, But they're, they've been great. Um, can't no, no complaints. And uh, that's where I kind of want to transition because the big question for tomorrow is Adama Sanogo. Yeah. Is he back is or is he not? And that's that's someone that I was jokingly tweeting, like, you know, take your time, get healthy, you know, you don't have to come back because Marquette has struggled against the post um, in terms of uh, on defense that getting posted up. Um, so obviously that's a big question mark whether Sanogo can come back and be healthy or is he just kind of working his way into the rotation and I think UConn fans are, are wondering the same thing we, we were hoping he'd be back against Providence seems like it's still gonna be a little bit maybe tomorrow maybe maybe not it's I think one of those things that uh no, no one knows yet but I, I I still think it'll be interesting to see down low maybe you know Isaiah Whaley and, and some of the other players they have yeah. in that front court can uh, can cause some issues there. It's going to be weird not seeing Theo John there. He's been a been a staple for a while. So, oh, I mean, it's crazy seeing so many transfers. And, and that's another like kind of interesting point that the team that you guys saw last year is gone, like completely gone. Justin Lewis is back. Uh, Greg Elliott, which we might have seen a little bit of, is back. But literally everyone else is gone. It's not even like a hyperbole. So it's it's you can't really take anything from previous that's seasons. Um, and it. it, it Every every game is like all right. Let's see what we get today. But um, it's it's a fun team. Um, there's definitely a lot of a big learning curve. And with such, I think they have eight 
freshmen listed on the roster, but a couple of those are COVID freshmen like Justin mm-hmm. Lewis and uh, Oso Gadara who played last year. Uh, it's just it, it, a lot of those early mistakes. You could see where it's going. Just not sure exactly where it'll end up. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I really appreciate the time. I know, I know everyone's looking forward to this one. I, as I said to you before we started, both these teams started off 0-1 in conference play. It's, it's going to be a battle, I think, tomorrow. No, no one wants to start off 0-2 in conference play. You know, it, it's a big game conference-wise. It's a big kind of a mentality, like get, get, in, get this game in with all the COVID pauses, yeah. uh, making sure that you, you kind of bank as many as you can because it, it, it's coming for everyone, it seems like. So it's just a matter of, uh, matter of time. Yes, uh, hanging through it. Well, thank you so much for the time. I paint touches is your spot for all things Marquette throughout the year. Excited for this one. Thanks so much for the time. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast with Jared Cutler. If you like the show and want to know more, check out the podcast on Twitter at CT Scoreboard Pod, the host at Jared Cutler, and find us on Facebook at the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast. Finally, if you enjoy what you're listening to, rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.